1: Leonard Fournette remains a buck. Curtis Samuel and Ryan Fitzpatrick will team up in Washington, and the Bills' backfield got more crowded. We're talking all that and more on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the RotoViz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick, we're two of the owners here at RotoViz. We have a fun show lined up this episode. We're reacting to more of the free agency moves tomorrow. We will be talking prospects. Then we have a couple more uh, interesting discussions coming up on Friday. So to put it in perspective, there our new uh, schedule for the shows. We will be dropping on Tuesdays, Wednesdays. And Friday's really pumped to have three episodes coming out each week. Some interesting notes today, Curtis. It looks like we are going to be going to a 17 game NFL
2: season. How are you doing and what do you think of the move to 17 games? I've not wrapped my head around it yet, but I I know so good football uh, or more football is always a good thing. Um, There's no doubt about that. Um, but I'm also a little worried. I mean, we see like Alvin Kamara already leaking out there. I don't know about all this. know, I wonder how hard the players will push back. How many teams might, you know, bake in a rest game. I, I think it's exciting from like a DFS perspective. There's more slates to play. But I think in like season long, whether it's dynasty or season uh, like lineup setting type leagues that aren't best ball. It's definitely going to be some headaches we're going to have to adjust to. I really don't think it can be anything worse than like the COVID adjustments when we didn't have like any camp news or anything like that last year. I, I think we're a flexible community and, and we'll figure it out. But um, yeah, right. certainly uh, if you're a dynasty commissioner or a redraft commissioner, probably going to have your hands full with uh, going back to the league bylaw, uh, bylaws this year.
1: Well, As a person that has to spend a lot of time in apps and working with data, (laughs) I can tell you I hate this maneuver because this means now in every app that is looking at things in terms of weeks, we're going to have to put in some logic that tells it going 2021 forward. um, You know, if you see week 18, that actually was a regular season game. All kinds of madness. I am not a fan of this. Then the comparability piece of it is going to be annoying. This is a huge headache. I am all for more football, but I do think that the benefits of the one extra game might not outweigh the cons for me personally, which is very upsetting.
2: Well, I I just thought of a a huge, uh, a huge pro. And in terms of the way that we look at fantasy output for players, I think we will finally get to a point where we normalize points per game as the relevant uh, fantasy scoring metric, right? No more end of year, raw fantasy point, total touting. Uh, It's going to force us to look at things on a per game uh, perspective. So I I think that might be, you know, there's some silver lining there. Um, You know, some other big news, Dave, that that I would like to drop this, this week. Our listeners and the fantasy community, they're gonna start to see something called Rotoviz Triflex Dynasty Leagues on FFPC. That's right. Rotoviz will have its own dynasty leagues on the FFPC. Really, really cool. Dave and I will have a chance to kind of roll everyone through specific strategies for these types of leagues, but they're gonna they're gonna be $77 and $250 price points. Um, we we think that those will will sell like hotcakes. I know I'm going to be in quite a few, so if you want to play against me, um, be looking for those in the lobby. But this is very, very exciting. Uh, we'll only find more ways, you know, to leverage our Rotoviz tools for the FFPC uh, fantasy platform. Uh, now that we have our own dynasty leagues, pretty cool stuff, Dave.
1: Yeah, this is huge. Like this is this is awesome. Not only because. I love the format. We definitely had some input into how these leagues would be set up. I think they're things that are going to allow people that have been reading Rotovis that subscribe to Rotovis to really position themselves in a league that plays to their strengths. And I know I have been desperate every year. And I'm pretty sure people heard me talking about the show. The fact that I might make the change to just going purely best ball leagues in 2021, that is not going to happen. I have been waiting, and I almost broke down a couple of times and signed up for some startups, but no, I've been waiting just for these leagues. I am going to be signing up for a lot of these, so I can't wait to just start breaking this down even more, but I mean, this is just super exciting.
2: Yeah, for those of you, just to kind of wrap this up and move on to the content uh, for this show, for those of you that have been reading my recent Dynasty pieces, I've kind of just been leaving little hints. Uh, in the intros to those articles, you know, some of the key takeaways here, super flex only. We're not offering a one QB option. I mean, it's it's 2021. It's time to get on uh, with the super flex uh, and then also the, the tight end premium. Um, you know, we, we think that those are really the settings that make for the best fantasy setup. But the thing that's different uh, for those who are used to the FFPC standard starting lineup, we are going to force three starting wide receivers. So, it's going to totally change roster construction. Um, And then you still also have two flexes. So, you could either start four running backs or five receivers. So, people are going to be able to build in any direction they want. That's that tri flex piece. That's technically, I guess you could start six wide receivers if you want to forego uh, a super flex. But this is going to allow for people who have liked the My Fantasy League, you know, typical, you know, one, two, three, one format along with flexes, uh, or for people who who just don't like to invest in running backs, it's going to to also have a way to play, and it's going to drive wide receiver value up in FFPC, which is one of the biggest complaints um, that I've seen from people uh, over the years on the format is that, you know, you kind of have to treat running backs like at redraft value and then everyone else is at Dynasty. This is going to flip that on its head. So uh, really, really exciting. It was fun to work on that project with the team over at FFPC. uh, A bunch of great people over there. And we we think you're going to like the product. So, hey, with that, Dave, uh, what do we have for the show today?
1: All right. Today, we are going to hit some fantasy headlines. We're going to do a quick price check drop. Oh, a quick price check. I will be doing the price check drop, which I'm looking forward to. We also have a lightning round lined up. But let's start right now with some fantasy headlines. I believe you were very excited about this move. I'm having trouble not getting too hyped up. That is Curtis Samuel and Ryan Fitzpatrick are headed to Washington. Curtis, talk us through what this means for Samuel and Fitzpatrick. And then I also want to know how this impacts Terry McLaurin.
2: Oh, man. Yeah, we could probably do a whole show on the Washington football team for 2021. I think this offense is going to be so fun, so explosive. And there's a lot of familiarity here uh, if we start with Curtis Samuel. So coming over from Carolina, of course, Washington football team basically is kind of Carolina football north now. Um, And so Samuel's reunited uh, with Ron Rivera, uh, got to work a little bit with Scott Turner, you know, toward the end of uh, 2019 when he took over as the offensive coordinator, as Rivera left uh, the season kind of early. So, Turner uh, was the quarterback's coach uh, there for that entire season. Very familiar with Samuel's skill set. Um, and, you know, hey, dating back to his high estate days, this is a guy that I've just been very, very excited about. Extremely athletic. Uh, he can do all kinds of things, you know, with jet sweeps and, and motion and great yards after catch guy. The team didn't really use him uh, properly in, in recent years. Uh, but he still found his way. I mean, he had over 200 PPR points, um, you know, in, in 2020. Really started to have that breakout that has been, you know, just right on the cusp since the end of the league. Now he gets to team up with Fitzmagic on, on a team in Washington where, I mean, geez, I mean, their wide receiver two only had 48 targets last year. It was Cam Sims. I, that's like a bar bet question. I, I highly doubt very many people could tell you Cam Sims was a wide receiver two and targets in Washington last year. And the team funneled 110 targets to something called J.D. McKissick. <laughs> 110. So, I mean, Samuel really steps into a place where there's literally nothing in his path from being the automatic wide receiver, too. And, and really, I mean, I think every single one of those J.D. McKissick targets would be better spent on uh, Curtis Samuel. I'm sure the team feels the same. So that's very exciting. I think he's walking into some volume. Now with Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, it's very exciting what he's done over the last couple of seasons. He just, he's like aging, like fine wine, man, over the last two seasons. So dating back to week one of 2019, he's actually been a fantasy QB one in 50% of his starts. And he's been a fan. Yeah. 50%. You know, who else has been a fantasy QB one in 50% of games since the beginning of 2019, Tom Brady. Like and Russell Wilson, okay. Yep. These are the this is like the type of production Fitz has given us. Then he's also been a QB two and twenty five percent of starts. Basically, the times that he wasn't a QB two or better were games where he like got pulled. Um, and you know, in Miami we had a couple of situations, and also in Tampa where we we're kind of jockeying around those last two years, and he didn't play full game. So you know, that's actually kind of just noise in the sample. He's been rock steady and. McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Antonio Gibson, Logan Thomas. This is an exciting offense all of a sudden. Now the last guy you asked me to talk about there, Terry McLaurin, I think the team very much has defined what his role is in the offense. I mean, Kifa, he's, uh, he's the playmaker, and it really has not mattered which quarterback's been in the game. Um the team is scheming for McLaurin, you know, the same. And so to illustrate this, you know, I'm using the one of the, our GOAT tools over there uh on on the site, um, the game splits app. And I just looked at 2020, you know, we know Dwayne Haskins was kind of in and out of there. Uh, The team, you know, played, I think, four different quarterbacks. Uh, Taylor Heineke and Alex Smith also played. I can't, I, I maybe there weren't three. Um, And I just looked at Dwayne Haskins played uh, and and then games out of split without Dwayne Haskins. And I mean, it's really uncanny. Uh, McLaurin averaged 15.02 PPR with Haskins and 15.08 without him. So basically uh, the, the difference of one fantasy point over, you know, an extrapolation to 16 games in a full season, the, the receptions uncannily the same pace for 93 receptions with Haskins pace for 92 receptions with QBs, not named Haskins. Um, and then in targets was the the one small drop off. He actually averaged one target uh, fewer per game without Dwayne Haskins um, and the yardage dropped off just a little bit, but he had a small uptick in touchdowns to, to offset all that stuff's basically noise. The team is going to, you know, keep Terry McLaurin uh, in that alpha spot. He had a 25% team target market share. That's good for wide receiver nine uh, in the NFL. And he's a top 24 in yak perception as well. So uh, no reason to to feel anything, but excited for McLaurin who now gets his best quarterback of his career and the the talent level of his uh, surrounding teammates has increased as well. So, Wheels up on on Curtis, wheels up on Ryan. Uh, Really, really like this squad. Uh, Anything stick out to you there on the the WFT there, Dave?
1: I, I mean, I think it really just touches upon what you mentioned. I think this is good for players all around. And I also view Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of similar to a quarterback like Jameis Winston, who... There's some issues maybe from a real team perspective, but there's a lot of upside when they're playing for you. And for the fantasy receivers that they have, it is just a huge thing for them to be playing with them. And I also think McLaurin kind of reminds me a little bit of a player like DeAndre Hopkins in that they might just be quarterback proof to some extent. So I am happy. Mm. I am happy about these guys.
2: Man, I like that. I, I like the the, the comp uh, to DeAndre Hopkins there and QB proof with uh, with Terry F one McLaurin. All right, well, let's move on uh, to another spot in the league, another high flying offense from last year, Dave. So Leonard Fournette stays in Tampa. Uh, this is this is probably not great. <laughs> this kind of holds up, holds two guys down here. Yep. Um, but can you make any sense of what then for uh, for Rojo Ronald Jones?
1: Okay, so. This is not great for Ronald Jones at all. And I think in the context of the fact that you see this team trying to keep itself together after that run that they made in the playoffs to the Super Bowl, all signs are pointing to the fact that they are looking at taking this core that they had. They're trying to run this back. We saw how incredible Fournette was down the stretch at the end of the season. He played four playoff games. Jones played three. Fournette, 21 targets to Jones two Fournette 148 yards as a receiver on the ground. 64 rushing attempts for Fournette. Um, Ronald Jones 35. Now, keep in mind, they did play different games. Like I said, that was still a 16 to 11.6 difference on those rushes. Fournette. 4.7 average, Jones 4.0 average. I don't really care that much about yards per carry, but the reality is the coaching staff and the team are probably going to 75 yards per game to Ronald Jones, 46. He was doing more with the workload. He was getting a higher workload. I expect that this is going to carry into the season. Real quickly, we will look at the splits for these two per the game splits app. In the regular season last year, uh, for Fournette, in the split, meaning Jones played, he had about 9.49 um, fantasy points when Jones was out about 19. Interestingly, if you flip things around, Jones actually did outperform Fournette 11.45 um, when they were both playing in about 19 when um, Fournette was out. But the thing is, I don't think that those splits even tell the story that I'm looking for here. Really, what I'm doing is, if I look at their points per opportunity last year, And I already start working on my projection like I do for the site every year. I get Ronald Jones given team play volume, and I gave him a little bump up in rushing attempts of about 15 or so, and I gave them about seven more passing attempts. I get... Ronald Jones on about 38 targets, 167 rushing attempts to Fournette 70 targets and 171 rushing attempts. That's a delta of 36 opportunities, puts Ronald Jones around 164 points, Lennon Fournette at 217. Now, This, I think, is enough that it doesn't make either of these guys an RB1. They still could be vying for an RB2, and maybe we see different weeks where they're fluctuating. But overall, I think that this really makes you have to reevaluate where Ronald Jones is at and the type of player that we thought at the beginning of last year he would be heading into this season.
2: Yeah, man, uh, love that breakdown. And I think it, it just does tell the story of the importance of the, the you know, the targets uh, for the for the running back and Fournette, even though, you know, famously, uh, you know, broke out with uh, all the receiving work in Jacksonville in his final season and, you know, was not very efficient with that work. Seem to gain Tom Brady's trust, and, and that's good enough. Now, we've heard some rumors that James White could be joining the party as well, which would really, which would really, <laughs> really, really uh, just completely crush uh, Tampa in terms of who's doing what. But, you know, right now, I think with this two-headed monster, I mean, you've laid out a case where, uh, I mean, in, in best ball leagues, uh, I mean, provided that there's not a severe ADP discount from Fournette to Jones, I mean, I'm probably willing to pay up a little bit for Fournette. Uh, over Jones, because if he if he does hold on to that one a role, you know, this looks like the profile of like a top 18 running back. You're, t- you're giving me 215 plus PPR. So, uh, yeah, um, I would prefer maybe to to cast my bets on on other backs. The one thing that you have to keep in mind, though, on a team that's going to score as many touchdowns as the Bucks, is if either of these guys gets the role and holds on to it. Now, these, these are guys that are good bets for double-digit touchdowns. And all of a sudden, you're talking league-winner stuff when you get into the middle single-digit round. So, um, yeah, good breakdown there, Dave. Yeah, appreciate that. And, yeah, I
1: mean, I couldn't agree more with what you just said. And I think that the signs are pointing towards Fournette being the one that has the better chance of being the guy. Let's move on, though. And you can touch upon this pretty quickly. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot to say here. But an interesting move, the Bills bringing in Matt Breida. How unenthused now about the Bills' backfield Are you considering the fact that Josh Allen put up more touchdowns than these backs last year? And uh, actually, Rich Rebar tossed me a note on this on uh, Twitter when I talked about the Bills backfield, that they had the lowest, um, like the lowest percentage of their points scored came from their running backs, like in comparison to team points of any team in the league. So an ugly situation just getting uglier, right?
2: Yeah, um, it's just adding more noise. I mean, I think the thing with Brita that makes him a little interesting is he's definitely has something that Singletary and Zach Moss do not have, which is the breakaway kind of home run element. Yep. I mean, Singletary and Moss have pretty much proven to be plotters. Uh, they plot differently from each other. <laughs> um, uh, but but the important thing here is that nobody in the backfield is going to get the really important high-value carries anyway. Josh Allen has 150.1 rushing expected points over the last two seasons. That's second among all quarterbacks, trails only Lamar Jackson. And Josh Allen would, would re, uh, rank 31st among, uh, amongst RBs, uh, against, amongst running backs, over the same two seasons if we were grading him against that uh, position group, he is 11th in rushing touchdowns since 2019 at 17. And that's actually most amongst quarterbacks. Um, so, you know, I don't see that changing with a player like Brita. They're not bringing him in to be the goal back. I think with Buffalo, the, the big question is going to be, you know, there's a lot of rumors about Najee Harris, maybe yep. uh, do they want to introduce a more uh, physical element? That's when we can start looking at this thing differently. But if they go in with a kind of a three headed It's not a monster. It's like a three-headed kitten with these three guys in the the backfield. Um, Josh Allen would still be, I think he'd still be the rushing uh, asset that you would want there. So I I think it's, hey, file it under interesting notes. But there's there's not really a a takeaway here in terms
0: of, um, you know, uh, fantasy. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: All right, Curtis, all signs are pointing to Miami, rolling with Tua. Of course, that's at the moment. Uh, Let's check in on his dynasty value. I know a lot of fantasy managers were unimpressed with him after last season. However, if you dig into some of the numbers, there might be a reason to disagree. I'm curious as to where you stand. I do want to give a little context, though about what you saw in terms of his comps from last year. So in the Rotoviz range of outcomes tool, which we've talked about a lot on the show, you'll see that his closest match actually was an early season from Andy Dalton. However, though, it's a mixed bag. You also have Christian Ponder in there. His third closest comp was Sam Donald from year one. Then you have Josh Freeman from year three, Carson Wentz from year one, which might feel... Now, like it's not that great of a comp, but Carson Wentz had a little bit of a run where he was useful for fantasy purposes. And if you remember, a lot of people were really, really high on him. Um, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. He's projected with 19 rush yards, 1.5 passing touchdowns, 225 passing yards per game, puts him with a median projection of around 19 points as we roll into next year some people are thinking it's very likely that the Dolphins add a receiving weapon for him in this year's draft it's also possible they get him a better back in the backfield it looks like this organization also has definitely a plan in a direction that they're looking to go so as you kind of put that together where do you stand on Tua is he actually a super super flex target right now um what's his value look like
2: Yeah, this is an important one to get right to, and I I, I tend to err on the side of believing in this organizational plan, Um, but there's also some other really smart quarterbacks out there that, you know, seem to believe in Tua. We can start with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick um, was, although he was disappointed uh, when he had to turn the reins over last year, he was nothing. Short of a, of a cheerleader uh, for Tua, acknowledging that it was his team, it was his time. Um, and then, you know, now that he has found a new home in Washington, he's doubling down on all of his support for Tua. Uh, absolutely believes in, in what he brings to the table, often citing his elite accuracy, uh, the number one thing uh, that Fitzpatrick was impressed with from Tua. And then Kurt Warner, you know, former NFL MVP, uh, multiple time uh, Super Bowl winner. Uh, or maybe a single Super Bowl winner, multiple-time Super Bowl participant, Um, he recently did a a three-part film study, like really went deep on Tua's uh, rookie season. And he came away thinking Tua's got, you know, what it has to be a star in the league, just wants him to be a little aggressive and trust his arm. When you put in the context of not having normal offseason, not beginning the season as a starter and getting those, um, you know, kind of early season starters reps during practice, the Dolphins not really having a great uh, core last year. Uh, the the starting, then the pulling, then the starting again. Uh, it just wasn't really like there was nothing that resembled normal um, for last year. And you know they add Will Fuller, who seemed automatic. Like he's like you know hitting the nitro uh, boost uh, in, in, a, in a race car or something yep. for a quarterback. Like Will Fuller, yep. just um, he is gonna change the offense just by being, being there. Um, And so I I think that's going to help the aggressiveness. Uh, Mike Jasicki looks like he's continuing, you know, on a a breakout path. Uh, You mentioned uh, this being a spot, you know, for an early wide receiver, perhaps, you know, Miami had the third overall pick. They traded back to the 12 and then back up to the six. So they purposely took themselves out of quarterback range at the top of this draft for one of the three or four superstars, depending on how you cut up this class. They're going all in on Tua. I mean, they're they're gonna put themselves in position to take a piece to elevate his game rather than replace him. This is not a Josh Allen Kyler Murray Murray situation. This is Miami investing in him. Probably Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase, even Devontae Smith reuniting him with his former Alabama teammate. Those are three guys I'm really looking for at six here. So uh Tua, uh, he he's kind of I don't I'll stop short of target. Um, but I think wides in a startup, you can be aggressive. And I actually did that. I'm in a startup right now. Uh, he dropped to the top of the seventh round. And at seven oh two, I traded my future uh my twenty twenty two rookie first rounder uh for that seven oh two spot and selected two as my third QB uh there. And you know, I think it's it's a good move if you find yourself missing on Lawrence, missing on fields, um, depending on what you think about Wilson or Lance miss out on those guys you know, maybe slot Tua in there in that tier kind of QB three, four, five for this season. And and I would evaluate him kind of uh, at that level.
1: Yeah, you know, I love the point about Will Fuller because I think that what we're going to see Will Fuller be able to do for Tua is kind of like what Deshaun Jackson has done for quarterbacks that he's played with throughout his career. There's some receivers that can make things easier on their passer. I believe Fuller's one of them. And I also really am also hoping that they pull in one of those names that you mentioned. I think that's going to make a difference for him. Well, I'm not going to sit here and say that I think he is going to be a superstar fantasy quarterback, I do think that there's some things he can do, especially uh, in Miami now, that are going to make him one of those players that has a little bit of a differentiation. And in comparison to some other younger passers, uh, you know, a type of guy that I would be pretty okay with having on my team, despite some people thinking that thus far he's been a bit of a letdown, which, which I don't entirely agree with. Uh, that is going to bring us to a lightning round. I wanted to ask about him in comparison to Jalen Hurts, but I'm almost thinking that I want to spend more time on Hurts. Maybe next week we will come back and revisit him. But, oh, that's the lightning. All right, it's a lightning round. You are not limited to one sentence to answer these, Curtis, but I do want you to be pretty expedient in your response. And when my first question is about Sammy Watkins to Baltimore, I think you're going to be able to be pretty quick. Does this hurt or help Hollywood Brown?
2: I, I don't think it, it certainly doesn't hurt him. And I really don't think it helps him either. I mean, the, the problems with Hollywood Brown um, are all related to volume. And in, in my opinion, uh, he ranked ninth amongst wide receivers with a 25% team target market share last year. And was 20th in air yards. Uh, we saw when he was heavily involved. I mean, he produced, Um, he, he only busted last year because of volume and unless Baltimore changes their offense, um, I really don't think that, that that's going to, you know, that really anything is going to change. And Sammy Watkins certainly isn't going to usurp Mark Andrews. So, um, I, I just think this is a, uh, we'll file this under the Matt Breida category of, you know, interesting, but you know, probably doesn't change our behaviors.
1: Yep. As people that have been listening to the show, know, I've just been unenthused, about baltimore for a while this caught up with me uh with that first season from lamar jackson but i'm sticking with this you know there's a lot of issues with the way that team runs as it relates to fantasy ty hilton will be returning to indianapolis curtis do you have any excitement for him playing with carson wentz point of reference last year just two wide receiver one performances for ty hilton uh you know he was playing with philip rivers last year we're making a transition to carson wentz what do you think
2: I think Hilton's, you know, nothing more than a best ball target at this point. He's still capable of blow up weeks, but Michael Pittman uh, looks situated to be the volume guy. Paris Campbell going to be back. Um, you know, the team still wants to keep Naeem Hines involved in, in the receiving game. If Jonathan Taylor takes a step forward, there's only so much. Uh, to go around there like this is probably not going to be a fast-paced offense and we also think that Carson Wentz he might actually be you know ruined at this point yep. Um, just reunite reuniting him with Frank Reich might not be enough to save him uh, so T.Y. great career underrated receiver in general uh, best ball target only for me
1: yep and a keynote on T.Y. Hilton's career averaging 15.55 AYA Beyond 15 yards in the middle of the field, Carson Wentz with an abysmal 6.55 AYA in the middle of the field beyond 15 Mm. in the sample that I was looking at from 2009 to 2021. Not what you like to see John Brown. Can he be a wide receiver three in redraft now that he is moving teams and heading to Las Vegas?
2: I mean, maybe like at the end of the year, he gets his way there in terms of total scoring. Um, Nelson Aguilar was just wide receiver 70 and expected points per game. So definitely outperformed uh, the role that the team had designed him for. And, you know, presumably John Brown is replacing Aguilar. So um, I will definitely fade the idea uh, that Smokey will be a wide receiver three in redraft.
1: Final question for the show. Deshaun Jackson headed to the Rams. Any cause for concern for Robert Woods or Cooper Cup?
2: I think if anything, it's, it's kind of exciting. Um, No cause for concern for me. The Rams are clearly addressing a major issue in their offense. It's hard to separate what might be Jared Goff's fault versus what might be, uh, you know, an offensive play calling or scheme issue. But last year, uh, Woods ranked 104th in air yards per target. Cooper Cup ranked 106th in air yards per target. Deshaun Jackson is going to be the lid lifter. So uh, Woods and Cup are going to have some room to operate. And, you know, he he clearly is being brought in to run a bunch of wind sprints.
1: Yep. And and I will say that I think that Deshaun Jackson move actually has the most impact on Matthew Stafford. If Djax remains healthy and we're still seeing some of what he was able to do, more of a reason to invest in Matthew Stafford than I may have mentioned in a couple episodes prior before this move. That takes us to the end of this episode. As I mentioned at the top, we are moving to be publishing now on Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Friday, likely in the morning. Also, this is a big thing. I have set up a number that you can use to call into the show with questions or questions or comments. If we play them on the show, you'll be entered into contests or giveaways that we have running. Currently, I got some pretty sweet Rotoviz t-shirts. If we use your question on the show, you will be eligible to win a shirt. So, the number is 978-615-9214. It will be in the show notes, but again, 978-615-9214. We'd love to hear from you. We would love to give you a shirt. And we already had one special, special person call in, and this is what they had to say. This is the Podfather. Never forget, the commander was right, calling Henry Ruggs being terrible and Jalen Hurts being amazing on the same podcast yep so the podfather called in curtis you made quite an impression on those podcasts that you have done for the podfather by the way
2: yeah it seems to be uh, a, a you know really fun pairing um, sometimes you know people just click i think what's fun with with matt is uh he really leans into his his personality and we, we've been having fun talking as i've guessed it on that show Around the idea of you know caricatures um, yep. in in fantasy football and it making it more interesting, I think he definitely fits the bill, but also super sharp. Yeah, um, yeah. And it, we just we've had some great uh, experiences with my couple appearances there. Hey Matt, appreciate you calling in and giving some props where they're due, man.
1: All right, and that brings us to the end of this one.